how can it be that in a country where fitness is promoted, there's a whole fitness industry, that we hear regular information about eating a healthy and well-balanced diet, and during a time of pandemic we tape multiple precautions to prevent the spread of disease for fear of possible death. And at the same time, in our own country, we have widespread access to abortion and increasingly easy access to euthanasia. Because if you talk to the people involved in the fitness industry, healthy eating, or pandemic precautions, they'll tell you that it's about safeguarding life, about living a full and complete life. But what about abortion and euthanasia? Because some of those same people would say that euthanasia and abortion are necessary and important. See, what's at stake here is not so much the safeguarding of life, but it's the safeguarding of autonomy. Because we don't like disruption in our life. We don't like what disrupts our plans. And abortion and euthanasia are answers to disruptions. Right? A child is a disruption, hopefully a welcome one, but when a child is conceived, it radically shifts the parents' mindset and their resources and the way that they go about their life. And euthanasia, what there might not be a greater disruption in our life than sickness, suffering, and death. And euthanasia becomes the way that in that disruption, I can take back control for myself. But here's the difficulty. Love requires disruption. Love requires disruption. There's a verse in the Song of Songs where the author, speaking to his beloved, says, Set me as a seal upon your heart. Now, usually nowadays, I think when we think about a seal, we think about the seal on an envelope or the seal on a jar of preservatives. And what is that seal for? It's to preserve what is inside solely for the one who's going to receive it. But this isn't the seal that the author is talking about. The seal that the author is talking about is the old style seal on an envelope, but where you would melt wax and then the giver of the letter would imprint their seal, the unique mark that was theirs alone into the wax so that you would know who the letter's coming from. And this becomes an image of love where the wax must be malleable, soft enough to let the imprint of the other person mark their own life. But here's the thing. We can become accustomed to having people around us, but actually not really give them permission to disrupt our life. That we know it's better to be with others rather than to be alone, but if the way that they think and what they do or what they desire conflicts with my own, we shut down, we push them away, we get angry. And the difficulty is, is that God is the great disruptor. That if God is love, and love requires disruption, God is the one who disrupts, and so if we reject any disruption in our life, we're rejecting God. And we can see that in these images that were given in the book of the prophet Isaiah today. Namely, a shoot from the stump of Jesse. A shoot is not supposed to come from a stump. The stump is dead. 
Living things don't come from that. It disrupts the natural order of things. But sometimes disruption is welcome, isn't it? Right? In a time of sadness and loneliness, the disruption of the phone call from a friend can be a welcome one. In the mundane, when it's just routine and the same thing over and over again, going and doing something different and unique can be a welcome disruption. Or sometimes in confusion and lack of understanding, someone giving you advice and insight into your life can be a welcome disruption. But probably more often than not, disruption is not so welcome. Right? When things are going well and according to my plans, disruption is not welcome. Or when something conflicts with what I believe to be true or what I think I know, it's not welcome. Or when it makes me uncomfortable and unsettles me, it's not so welcome. But then here's the challenge. Or not so much the challenge, here's the problem. Is that even in those few spaces where disruption is welcomed, we can get to a point where it's not even welcome there either. Right? Think of someone you know struggling with sadness or loneliness, and they push others away. That they won't let anybody disrupt their loneliness. Or for those that are kind of accustomed to being the mundane, who don't let anything that is out of the ordinary into their life. Or in confusion, where we shut down and become unwilling to let anything new change our mind or change our heart and our life. If you want to test yourself as to how open to disruption you are in your life, just think about the last time that somebody corrected you without you asking for it. Did you immediately rack up, oh my goodness, thank you so much for telling me that. I didn't know that otherwise. And in front of all of my family and friends, even better, now they can hold me accountable for this, that, or the other thing that I have done or not done. Are we really open to correction? Are we really open to disruption? Because in the gospel today, John is disrupting with the idea of repentance. For some, it's a welcome disruption. Right? For the poor, it's seen as freedom from the change, chains of that. They come and they go out, out of the city, going out to seek John out, listening to his words, and by his words, they then allow themselves to be baptized and to repent from their sins. But for others, John's disruption is unwelcome. For the rich and the powerful, he's a nuisance, that he's destabilizing what they know and what their order is, and they want to get rid of him. Now, sometimes when we think of repentance, we only think of Lent, but the disruption of repentance is equally true of Advent. Now, a number of Catholics, many Catholics, struggle with the sacrament of confession. And there's lots of different reasons why that's the case, but I think one of them is, is confession is a great disruptor to our life. Right? We can confess to God within our own hearts, but does that really disrupt us? Is that the disruption of love that we require in confessing? That by having to go to the priest, confessing out loud, examining our conscience, and scraping the depths of our soul of where we need love, where we need God's mercy, 
that's a great vulnerability towards disruption. And it's not an easy thing to do. But love requires disruption. See, when it comes to euthanasia, don't want disruption. Because one of the unspoken things when dealing with euthanasia is almost always that people feel like a burden. They either feel like a burden to their family, to the system, or even to themselves. And so they want to remove that burden. Of course they're a burden. Love requires a burden. Jesus took on the burden of our sin when he went to the cross. Love invites that disruption into our life. If we are unwilling to invite the disruption of the burden of another soul into our life, genuine love will never exist. Otherwise, it's just kind of nicety and being kind to others. Love requires disruption. Are we willing to be disrupted?